What's going on, you book nerds? Today, we're going to be talking with Ashley and Leslie Saunders, also known as the Saunders Twins, about their new book, The Rule of One. It takes place in a dystopian United States where families are only permitted to have one child. Now, I don't want to get too much into this uh, and spoil anything, so I'm going to let them tell you about it, because after all, they are the authors. Let's get today's episode uh, of this podcast started with the Saunders sisters. What's up all you Gene Book Nerds? How you guys all doing this morning? Today is a special day. I've got the Saunders sisters, Ashley and Leslie. They are the authors of the book The Rule of One. How are you both doing this morning? We're great. Thank you for having us. We're happy to be here. Happy to have you both here. So would you like to just uh, tell everyone a little bit about uh, yourselves? Um, hi, I'm Ashley Saunders. Um, I have my sister Leslie Saunders with me. We are uh, writer-director authors who grew up in Texas, and we like to write a lot about Texas. A lot of our stories are based there, but we currently live in Los Angeles with our Boston Terriers. Nice. Well, Los Angeles is a wonderful place to live, but, it, you know, it's it's where you got to be if you want to be a, a director, a filmmaker, a writer. It's It's got everything for us. Yeah, exactly. Right when we moved to L.A. is actually when we got our book deal for The Rule of One, too. So we have a lot of love for Los Angeles. Oh, nice. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. You are both the authors of the book The Rule of One. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about what it's about? The Rule of One, um, it's about twin sisters who were born in a future United States that has adopted a one-child policy. And for 18 years, Ava and Mary Goodwin have to live as one person. And one day they get caught by the governor's son, and they have to go on the run. So when you say they have to live as one, could you elaborate a little bit more on that? So they, in all the world of the rule of one, um, they are microchipped. And so the younger twin, Mira, doesn't have a microchip. So they have to, it's very dangerous for her to go out. So they share an identity for 18 years and trade who gets to live outside of the basement. So they, uh, Mira, the younger twin, actually gets to go to school, and she it's, uh, she kind of gains the system. It's a surveillance state, but because they share identical features, they can get away with it, which is a really cool fact, and we had a lot of fun writing that. But um, So they share an identity, and it's how close they can be like one another in order to survive. And then when they go on the run, it was really fun to play with how, how different we can make them um, in order for them to survive so no one knows that they're twins. Wow, that sounds like an amazing concept. I mean, how did you come up with that, this type of uh, dystopian, not, I don't know if you call would you call it a dystopian future? Yeah, we call it dystopian, yes. How did you come um, about with an idea like this? So we started writing this story in 2011. Uh, we always wanted to tell a twin sister story, being twins ourselves. And we, um, we fell in love with the story with the Lord of the Rings, so we love high concepts high stakes and adventure stories. So we said, we asked ourselves, well, what's the highest stakes we can put our twins in? And then we thought of China's one-child policy. And then we asked ourselves, well, what would make a country like the United States adopt such a ruthless um, law? And then we built out a future world from there based on climate change and overpopulation in America. Wow. Sounds like you guys uh, had to do your research for this book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we actually researched 
uh, we studied because in 2011, when we were like a year after we graduated college, we didn't know anything about climate change or about the future, or we were just getting into uh, technology, like learning about advanced technology. And so we did about a year of research just to make sure that we knew the world, really understood the world, and how we could write these uh, a future United States, a nearby U.S. that would actually. Because we really wanted the America that we write about to be realistic, like it could be happening tomorrow. And uh, we researched for a year, we got confident with it, and then we just went after writing the story. Nice. Well, I think uh, I think I can speak for a lot of people, not just myself, when I say one of the things, when I, especially when I read a book, is that it feels realistic and that you can tell that the authors really did their research and really you can tell just by the story and the way that they write that they really know what they're talking about and that the future that the book is set in is fully believable so exactly that was really important to us and then actually halfway through writing the book we stopped writing it and took the road trip that the girls take from dallas north so we went on a 20-day road trip researching everywhere that we wrote about oh that's fantastic I don't think many authors probably do that type of thing where they actually then, after they've written a book or written a story, they go out and do what their characters do. Yeah, it was amazing because a lot, like some of the stuff that we were writing about was happening to us in real life. It was, Black Eyed Susan Flowers are really important in the story. It represents their mother, Lynn. And in every state we went to, the highways were covered with Black Eyed Susan. It was incredible. Sounds like it was meant to be then. <laughs> it, it felt like it. It felt like we were writing a story that was supposed to be ours to tell. When you went on this road trip, did that kind of make the book or the story feel more real, or did that change the way you perceived the characters or the book that you wrote? It really made me understand fear. Um, because we were we would go out in a lot of isolated areas. We did, that's where we discovered our love of America's national parks, and so we'd be in a lot of isolated places. We'd be three miles in in the middle of nowhere wilderness, and we actually encountered a bobcat that stalked us in Paladaria Canyon in Texas, which is a location that we write about. And we, I just learned what it was like to be on the road with your sister, and you only had each other to. Uh, survive dangerous situations. We encountered a lot of dangerous situations in the middle of nowhere, and then we then used it a lot in the, bo- in the, in the book. I, I wrote a lot about what it felt like to be scared all the time, and so I think that really helped the writing. I, I couldn't agree. And it, it, helped, it helped us conquer our fear, you know? So I learned how to to conquer it and not, and use it for and uh, gain strength from it. That's awesome that this book has, you know, it's not only tells a great story, but it's helped you, you know, learn to conquer your fears and everything. I think that's fantastic. Yes. yes. So, so we felt like the Asian mirror, there's these uh, young girls that are from Dallas and they're very sheltered. And in some ways we were like that and, you know, just being young. And when you go out there and you discover things, it felt like we were even mirror out there. And so we got to write about our experience. Awesome. So you both, obviously, as we've already said, you both co-wrote this book. What was it like writing the book with each other and getting to work with each other on this project? And how did you kind of like divide up the work, or you know, how did you how did you come up with the story? And then how did that? What's that process like? So we wrote the screenplay version of the Rule of One um, together. So we would write scenes, um, and we would heavily outline together, and then we would write, we would share writing the scenes. And when it came to the book, we decided that we were going to do alternating point-of-view chapters. So I wrote all of Ava's chapters, the eldest twin, 
and Leslie wrote all of Mira's chapters, the youngest twin. So the story flips back and forth between the sisters. And it was a lot of fun to do it that way because I got to write first person and write how I feel about being the elder twin. And a lot of my thoughts and personality went into that. And same with Leslie. And um, that was, it was such a unique difference between writing the screenplay versus the book that's that's awesome i man you're just every uh, just talking to you guys about this book is just really making me want to read this book even more (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad i I really like that you know it's it's written from each other's you know point of view of the characters and that you put you know so much of yourselves into this but that just sounds like it will make for like a really great story and like a really great dynamic between the characters yeah Yes, we hope that comes across in the story. So what inspired you, if anything, uh, to to make this story? Well, I mean, we really just wanted, uh, first of all, we wanted to make a really great twin story. That, that was one of our big goals, um, besides just being a fun uh, adventure, dystopia, meet, uh, with a message. As a story, we really, at the heart of it, wanted to create um, an authentic twin sister story because we feel like there's not too many uh, stories out there that we think that gets across what it's like, the unique bond of being a twin. And so we wanted to put our, we wanted to try our hand at it. And um, we, I, you know. Yeah, and then family is really important to us, and that's a big theme in the book as well, the power of family. We have we got multiple generations of the Goodwin family, and that, that's a huge aspect of our writing as well. Well, we've talked about a little bit about the uh, the sisters in the book, so one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, everyone loves a good hero, but you need to have a really good villain. So how did you come about, I mean, is there a, a main villain of this book, or is it more of kind of like the the government? Is that the villain? Like, yeah. who's the real villain? Yeah, and gonna... how did you go about, like, creating their storyline? Yeah, so the government is the main villain, but... It is encapsulated by the governor, so we made the governor of Texas the villain and his grandson, Halton Ross. Um, it was, we're from Texas, so it was a, <laughs> it was a very sweet thing to try to have Texas be the bad guy, but we just wanted to tell us a story that we thought was authentic to the future, you know, where, where, where things could go. So the government takes, has a lot of control. It's a militarized state in our world. It's a surveillance state. Um, everyone's microchipped. Uh, there's border walls. I mean, and so and Governor Roth is the guy who's the one that's implementing all these laws, and he's the most he's one of the most powerful people in the United States in our future. And the governors have all the power in the future as well in our in our story. And so it was actually a lot of fun to write a villain. I don't think we've ever really wrote a super villain before mm-hmm. in this one, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, read more about him if you want to know. <laughs> well, just from what you've said, uh, this villain sounds terrifying to me. I mean, you may have supervillains with superpowers and, you know, uh, hear, you know uh, stories like that, but a villain like this that you could really imagine being in your world, like in real life, like that just, that sounds absolutely terrifying to me. Yes, I know. Exactly. I have, sometimes I have nightmares about Governor Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you for that. I, you, yeah, at this rate, you might be start giving me nightmares. No, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, in the day and time we live in, there's a lot of uh, things going on in our in the real world with climate change, with politics, and a lot of, you know, like the Me Too movement. Can you discuss, you know, how 
the idea of a strong heroine has evolved and what strong women in your lives inspired any particular characters in the book? Our mother really helped inspire um, our our mother's been a very strong woman in our lives, um, and she we honor that. And uh, their mother and the character's name is Lynn, and she's a really strong force for the girls, even though she's not in their lives. She's the spirit that drives them forward. And um, it's interesting because we wrote this book uh, in 2011, like pre what's going on now in politics. And so people are, our book is taking on a whole new meaning that we never intended. When we, wrote, uh, when, we wrote the, when we wrote the future, we didn't know the future was going to be so near. so near. And now it's kind of all happening. And it's been sort of crazy uh, to have this, you know, with a lot of the feedback that we're getting, people are like, well, this is happening now. It's so, it's so terrifying, like, thinking that we wrote it about the, what, you know, like this Trump era. But so really, we didn't know it was going to happen so quickly. So it's been this incredible thing to happen. And... It's taken on a new life of its own, especially with the Me Too movement, because our female characters are the ones that are driving to take down the government. So it's been really empowering and amazing. Well, I'm sure when people read this, it'll bring, you know, inspiration and hope. And, you know, I hope it really makes them feel empowered to, you know, try to do everything they can to, you know, make the world a better place as well. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we won't go towards this, uh dystopian future that you've written about because again that would be terrifying i I, I don't want a microchip in me (laughs) no exactly i hope this is just a warning like this is what could happen let's not have it happen exactly so i know you talked a little bit about um kind of your inspirations and uh your you know uh i believe i you mentioned lord of the rings was a huge inspiration to storytelling and in film school is there any uh, – you're working on, if I remember right, uh, the screenplay to turn this into a film, correct? We were, yes. Um, and now um, – yeah, so this started off as a screenplay, and we uh, went out and pitched it all around town. And a lot of the feedback we were getting – well, we wrote way too extensive of a film. We didn't realize how high budget we wrote. We're like, we can just go shoot this. We <laughs> wanted to direct it. And they were like, no, 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 you're not going to direct it. We're going to take it from you. And we're like, no. And so we wrote uh, the novel. Of, um, so we wrote our own IP so we could, um, well, we, we always wanted to fulfill a dream because we always wanted to write a trilogy like The Little Rings. So, and then now we are um, currently writing a pilot for it uh, to turn into a television series. Awesome. That sounds, that sounds great. I think, I think a lot of times with stories like this, at least in my point of view, it's it would serve better as a TV series because you can tell the story so much more of the story instead of with a film where you know you can only fit two hours. With a TV series, you can fit so much more time into really getting to know the characters and the story. Exactly, because like in this golden era of television, and especially in our because our book is told through the twins' POVs, and in the television series, we plan on opening up to other characters more, so you get to see more of the dad and more of Governor Ross and and not just the twins POV. And in the pilot so far, I mean, just the, when you imagine how in the screenplay we wrote uh, part one in our book is like 97 pages. We divide our uh, book into parts, uh, like a screenplay. And it's like 97 pages, and then you realize what we put in the screenplay, it, it, they, they leave and they go on the road and like on page 30. I'm like, how did I do that? How did I tell the story in 30 pages? I mean, and then TV, you really can flesh it out a little bit more. For sure. Um, 
who do you, just a fun little question who would you want uh if if it get pick if it were to get picked up for a TV show who would you want to play the the lead roles of the sisters we're hoping to find real twin sisters uh, we think they're out there and um, if not then it has to be it's you know a really an up and coming actress that can play you know just kill two different characters and uh, but we're really hoping we can find twin sisters so we can have show that real unique bond on screen. Well, I know this is definitely a show that I would love to see myself. So we got to get a got to find someone from Netflix and get them up <laughs> on the it. phone. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Well, we're making we're developing it with the people who did House of Cards, so we're in good hands. Oh wow, that's that's amazing. How did that happen? So Leslie and I were um, you know we're also, we're, also, we're going to be executive producing and writing the series as well. Um, we went out and pitched to all of Hollywood. <laughs> A few months ago, earlier in the year, it was an incredible experience, like what we've always dreamed of doing. And uh, we we chose the MRC who did House of Cards, and we're developing it with Dana Calvo. She did Good Girls Revolt and Narcos. And so we started about three weeks ago, and it's just been an, a, an amazing process so far. That's 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 amazing. I I don't even have, really have words for that, but but beyond congratulations, because <laughs> that's. That's amazing. Thank, you. Uh, could Thank you, you so much. Could you tell the tell us a little bit about what that process is like, uh, going out and pitching a story in Hollywood? Because I don't think uh, many people can relate to something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was a, we had like nineteen meetings in one week. It was intense, and um, I mean, we just we had some experience doing it because we went out uh, for the screenplay, but we just. Uh, I don't know, we pitched our hearts out. We had uh, our Ginger Sledge, she's um, she's our producer, and she's Richard Linklater's producer, who's a, who did Boyhood and um, Before and After Sunset. And she went out with us, and she was in the room, and um, she's been on this project with us for five years. And uh, it was, I don't know, you have to really just uh, go for it, you know? You just, you're in front of all these execs at a big boardroom table, and there's, like, the Hollywood skylines in the background with all these floor-to-ceiling windows, and you just have to, you know, pitch your heart out. Yeah. They just sit there and grill you for two hours. It's a really intense process, but fun. Because, you know, when you when you love what you do, it's, it's all fun. I mean, it's hard work, but... And, um, yeah, and we have, we got... Uh, our, our agents helped us get all the, get the meetings and really pitched us and put us out there. That's that sounds like quite an ordeal and quite an experience. Uh, I've again I've never yeah. pitched anything, but that sounds that sounds intense. <laughs> yeah, it really is, and I'm I'm lucky because I get to have my sister during it. You know, it's not only me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's and also you guys have flushed out the story so well and. The dynamic okay. between the exactly. sisters is so strong that I feel like any question that they could throw at you guys would be like, we got this. We know exactly what you're asking. We can answer this. That's exactly what happened. It was so funny because they thought they could – it got to a point where some of the execs thought they could trump us, you know, like get a question that would stump us. And they never did because when you had written a novel version of the story, I had the story on lockdown. <laughs> it was literally – we were just like try to stop me. It, was, it became funny in a way because it, we knew, we knew so much more. Like when we wrote the screenplay, now looking back, it's so skeletal. Like of course, you know that's the way screenplays are. 
And when you when you write a novel, you just become master of your story. You just flesh out backstories. You flesh out what exactly it looks like, what the world looks like, what rooms look like, how exactly do they do things. It's 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 uh, it, was, it was very helpful to have the book. <laughs> well, I can imagine, and I I I could just imagine all these execs asking you questions, and after you give the answers, them them thinking in their minds like, "Dang it, I thought I would get them on that question." <laughs> Yeah, I know. One person asked us how the whole series is going to end. Yeah, and that that got us a little bit because we haven't started writing book three yet. Well, then you at that point you're supposed that. to say, "I can't tell you the ending. I'll spoil it for you." That's exactly what we did. We're like, <laughs> yeah, we, haven't even told our, we haven't told our publisher yet, so we can't tell you. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Some some secrets you just got to keep to yourselves, otherwise you're going to ruin yeah. the whole surprise. Exactly. Without giving uh, too many spoilers away, again, because I'm going to kind of ask more of the same question for our audience, but again, we don't, I, I think I can speak for the audience as well when I say we don't want the spoilers. We're dying to know, you know, the, the world that you've created, these wonderful characters that you've created, kind of what do you envision happening to Ava and Mira? Not specifically what will happen, what, what do you imagine might be in store for them? Well, um, we our sequel comes out May seventh, and it's called The Rule of Many, and we really make them go through the ringer. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, we be because they have to. I mean, I don't want to spoil the end of book one to talk about book two. Yeah. Well, we we just Ava and Mira continue to fight and to resist. The words of the rebellion are resist much, obey little, and they're continuing to resist. I think that's a good. I think you guys uh, both summarized that very well. So you've <laughs> continued you. to pique pique my interest without giving anything away. <laughs> Another question I've got, and again, I if this spoil if this is a spoiler of some kind from my question, then feel free to not answer it. But you've talked a lot about uh, them rebelling against the government and against uh, you know the the villain in this care in this book. Are these two the only ones uh, who are rebelling, or does it turn out there's other people out there that are in the same situation as they are? Uh, to answer that question, you would have to read the sequel, The Little Many. No, the story. It does. It does. It it it. it, it, it there are more people rebelling. It's been hidden underground rebellion that the government has squashed, but they can't squash rebellion in people's hearts, so they find more people as the story goes on. I think you both just said that perfectly, so... <laughs> well, I think you. <laughs> One other f question I've got for you is, now that you've written this story, has this writing this story in the screenplay and trying to turn it into a TV series, has it inspired any other ideas that after after this project you'd want to move on to and maybe write another story already? Yeah, we have another story that we're working on that we had um, prior, that we already knew we wanted to do, and um, actually yesterday is the first time that it started springing back up in my mind. Did you know that? How did you know to add that? That's, I'm joking. I'm, we just started talking about our new story, so <laughs> yes, we have another story. We have another story that we're wanting to tell, another story set in Texas that we're really excited about. Well, after hearing everything you've said about this story, I'm already excited now for the second story. <laughs> Good. Yeah, so are we, because we've been working on this story for, um, for so long, for, since 2011, 
And uh, it's fun to start thinking about having little kernels of what we feel our next story is going to be. It's really energizing. Again, I can't wait to read these books. And you said this, is gonna be a tr this uh, series is going to be a trilogy, right? Yeah, we're about to start writing book three right now. How long does a book like uh, a, uh, a trilogy like this take to write? I mean, how long, roughly how long does like, did, did book one take you to write? And then did book two, is that going to take you as long? Or is it going to be a quicker book to write now that, since you've written book one? What's that like? So book two, is already, we already wrote it. Um, it took us, uh, book, book one took us like eight months, uh, book two, it was like over a course of a year, um, and it'll, it'll take us a year to write book three, but over, while we're doing other things, you know, like, oh, we're not screenplay. writing screen, you know, writing the pilot and stuff, um, it'll take us about a year, yeah. Other people write you know, everybody has varying times on how, how long it takes them to write a novel. But for us to really flesh it out, we outline heavily. So we, we do the walk and talk like J.J. Abrams. So to outline book two, we walked around uh, our favorite reservoir for 250 miles last summer to outline the book. 250 miles? <laughs> Dang. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, were, we would go out twice a day and just talk through for about a month. And two months, two months, and we would just walk around, and we started to get to know all the locals. Everyone would be like, "Oh, are you outlining your book?" <laughs> yeah, we knew that we got something good. <laughs> yeah, and we would do like the, like the jump high five, run and jump high fives every time we knew we got like a like the midpoint, or like when we nailed a, an important part in the structure, and everybody would be laughing at us. So <laughs> we're about to start doing that again. We'll do, we're going to do walk and talk probably. Let's see how long. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many miles it takes us to outline book three. I'm just, I'm just still amazed that I'm just like, wow, walking 250 miles, that's insane. Yeah, we were in really good shape. I can believe that. Yeah, I was still. When, when you guys were writing book one or book two, were there any moments where you got hung up on like a story or an idea, and did you have any like aha moments where you're like, oh, that's brilliant, let's do this. Yeah, we had a lot of rooms. I mean, I can't even remember. I mean, we would get stuck, and we would just, sometimes we get really quiet when we get stuck. Yeah. And I, I'll look over at Ashley, and she's just looking at the floor, and I'm like, oh, no. And then we'll just sit there, and we'll just talk it out, or we'll just talk it out in our own heads until we get it right. And, and it's just such an incredible feeling, as, as any storyteller can say, whenever you do figure it out. Something that, you know, something can just get at you, and you can't figure it out for days. And then whenever you finally figure it out, it feels like, we always say it feels like it's a key that when we um, unlock something inside of us, and you just get to live in this, like, it's, it's just such a thrill whenever you figure it out. And that's what keeps me, and that's what attracts me to storytelling so much, is that thrill that you get whenever you find it out, and it all just links up together like a puzzle. I couldn't agree with more with you. I think that uh, that's one thing that I think a lot of people can relate to, is really getting stuck on a problem, and then when you finally figure it out and you solve it like that's that feeling of satisfaction that you you know of accomplishment just is one of the best feelings in the world yes, it really is it really is and then i'm i'm happy i'm lucky because i get to share it with my uh, co-writer and so we get to share that moment together and do lots of high fives <laughs> high fives are the best yeah. <laughs> Did you, in the whole writing process, do you two ever disagree on, you know, the, the way the story should go or what the characters do or anything like that? I mean, what's, do you have disagreements and how do you uh, overcome that kind of thing? We really don't. Like, 
and we, we've been really close our whole lives and we think similarly and we have the same life experiences and our I guess in our heads we just dream the same dreams we dream the same stories up and we when one of us we build upon each other it's like one of us will say an idea and then the, and then Leslie or I will then build on it and then it just keeps getting better and better to us like the idea and especially because it outline it and like structure can feel like a puzzle like it's so whenever it's just the right puzzle you just know yeah and then so you really can argue your point you're like it just fits so perfectly look at the pretty picture yeah now one question again this is i don't know if our audience is uh this is a question that they would ask but i'm conducting this interview so i get to ask the question (laughs) (laughs) um how did you come up with the names for the characters or are the names uh, and obviously the characters are inspired by various people in your lives, but how do you come up with the names? We do a lot. We like to have names that mean something, so we do a lot of research on the names. And Ava means life, and Mira means father's love. So Mira's the second born, and so that we figured that father, her father's love is what he would name her. And uh, so we just kind of go from there. We do a lot of research because we, we like to have meaningful names. Huh. I never knew and that. We like, we like for them to sound unique, you know, so no one else has really used them, except people who use Ava, but it's just, mm-hmm. it means life, and it means a lot in the story. I never knew that Ava and Mira uh, had those meanings to them. Yeah. Yes. Inf- information bomb. Yeah, I just learned something new today. <laughs> I have, welcome. I feel educated. <laughs> Good. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's that's really about it. I mean, you guys have answered so many questions about the about your story and about the book. I mean, I'm super excited to read this. I'm I'm definitely gonna have to pick it up, and I'm gonna definitely have to recommend uh, recommend this book to my girlfriend because I think it's gonna be also right up her alley. Uh, Great, thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to to add on or say about yourselves or about the books that we didn't get to? I feel like uh, we covered it all. I feel like I chatted your head off. Well, I've I've enjoyed every moment talking with you both because this book sounds amazing. And again, I love filmmaking. I'm a filmmaker myself. So, I if if we didn't have uh, if we weren't doing a podcast, I feel like I could talk to you both for hours on end just about filmmaking and about storytelling. So, <laughs> no, I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Not many people say that about to me, so that means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and before we go, uh, final note: Would you like to tell everybody where they can find the book, where they, uh, anywhere they can go to find out more about both of you, social medias, websites, anything like that? Uh, the best place to find the book as a publisher, Amazon Publishing, is uh, Amazon.com/slash/TheRuleOfOne. Um, you can find more about us on our website. Is it the yeah. Yes, the or follow us on social media. At Instagram is what we use, and it's Founder Sisters. Well, I'll definitely be following you both and uh, keeping up with uh, all your projects and everything. And once uh, book three is finished, uh, we would love to have you both back on again to talk about the whole story. Maybe we can talk to you in May when book two comes out. We'd love to have you both for book two as well, yeah, 100%. um, We will make it happen. Okay, well, it was lovely meeting you and talking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us this morning, and I hope you both have a wonderful day. Thank you, you too. It was really nice meeting you. 
I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Gene Book Nerd Podcast. Be sure to check out the Saunders Sisters book, The Rule of One, and be on the lookout for their next book coming soon. Until the next time, this is Eric signing off for the day. And it looks like we have one last word from the sisters coming in. We're Ashley and Leslie Saunders, the authors of The Rule of One, and you're listening to GeneBookNerd.com.